Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello, you're listening to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Sosland. Today we are studying Masachet Yevamot, Daf Kuf Yud, page 110 in the tractate Yevamot. If you are just joining our study, welcome. If you've been studying Daf Yomi throughout the tractate of Yevamot, I want to offer you a particular congratulations. These passages are difficult. Of course, at the surface, Yevamot is considered one of the hardest tractates in the Talmud, and if you've been following along, I certainly don't need to tell you that. But it's also difficult at a deeper level, not only from a Talmudic logic level, some of the ideas of our dapim suggest a deep-rooted sexism at the heart of the Talmudic discussion. Take today's daf, for example. The discussion of kiddushek tana, a minor being married off, or a chereshet, a deaf-mute being married off, and then simply released from her yibum status, almost shocks the ear, especially given what we know today about the dangers of child marriage in parts of the developing world. Really? We are speaking about young women being married and then released from their marriages, especially the incident reported at the top of Ahmad Aleph. It seems almost straight out of the headlines from other parts of the world. Hayyubda Dehava Beneresh. Here's an incident that happened in the town of Naresh, one of the yeshiva centers in Babylonia. It was much like Sura or Pumbedita. Ikadisha Kishehiktana. An orphan was betrothed as a young girl. When she grew up, she was seated on the bridal couch. And another man came and snatched her from the, her first man, and betrothed her to himself. Ugh, what is going on here? Was Naresh the Wild West? Were women grabbed so easily? In this case, the rabbis seem to just move past the horror of a woman being snatched and then betrothed, even after having been betrothed to another man. They punish the kidnapper, by not having the kidnapped betrothal be valid. He acted improperly, and so the rabbis acted improperly to him. And they abrogated the betrothal that might otherwise have been valid. As the Stan Gemara explains a few lines down, they rendered his sex act a bi'ilat znut, a promiscuous sex act. That is, one that would not validate a betrothal. This is, to say the least, a disturbing text. Underneath the legal discussion lies a narrative of a young girl who has had two men stake a claim to her. 
This is the kind of narrative that makes us wonder what kind of world the rabbis inhabited and what exactly was their worldview. The good news, at least for me, is that even with this disturbing text at the start of our death, I think we can find some hope even on the very death a little bit later down. There are several modern approaches to this kind of text, and I hope we will explore a few of them over the course of our week together. Today, I want to point to some highly recommended outside reading. Rabbi Dr. Judith Houtman's book called Rereading the Rabbis, A Woman's Voice. In it, Dr. Houtman suggests that what may seem to us like the patriarchal sexism of the Talmud was actually quite progressive for its time. She compares the rabbinic institution of marriage to the Roman institution of marriage, which was an institution familiar to the rabbis. And she points out that in fact, the rabbinic institution of marriage adds a whole level of protection. The whole idea of a ketubah that came with financial commitments on the part of the husband and a get, a divorce, which would assure that a woman would get financial protection upon dissolution of the marriage, were in themselves ways of assuring that no woman would be left fending for herself in a patriarchal society. So which was it exactly? Was it the Wild West? where women were allowed to be grabbed off their bridal couches by other men? Or were the rabbis really trying to protect women? I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle in understanding the context in which they lived. The bridal kidnapping functions as a contextual piece, showing us the kind of thing that could happen in the world in which they lived. But there was another side as well. Look for a moment at the Mishnah that is quoted on Amud Bet. We will see this Mishnah again on Daf 112, but here it is used as part of the argument. If a woman becomes insane or she becomes deaf-mute during the marriage, a husband may never divorce her. Rashi brings the Gemara from 112 from Kuf Yod Bet to explain. Why may the husband never divorce a woman who has become insane or has become deaf-mute? So that no one would act towards her in a manner of hefker. The word hefker itself is a terrifying idea. Minhag uh, hefker, treating a woman like she is unowned or unattached, in other words, a free-for-all. It is a horrible and terrifying thought. And the rabbis are saying, you may never divorce a particular kind of woman so that no one would look at her and see that, God forbid, she is hefker. The shota, the mentally insane woman, is the consummate member of society who lives without protection. And the rabbis go out of their way to protect her. I would like to believe that this is their intent all along, for the Shota as well as for the young girl who is being married off here. As the Gemara will explain, a young girl, particularly one without a father, also must be protected from Minhag Hefker, which is why the rabbis allow her to be married off in the first place. We have to remember, just as we were taught at the start of our daf, the ancient world in which the rabbis tried to legislate was in fact a scary place, 
a place where brides could be stolen right off of their bridal litters, ostensibly even in front of a crowd. So we have to be grateful to the rabbis. Given the climate in which they lived, given their context, it is impressive that they were able to build in protections where they could. Because the idea of minhag hefker was not just an imaginary possibility. It was a very real fear for those who were not protected. I don't think Dr. Houtman's argument is apologetics at all. On the contrary, I think our death reminds us of how crazy different those times were and it helps us to understand what could be seen as the radical progressiveness of the rabbinic task it makes a reader like me much more invested in their worldview. I hope it does the same for you. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.